Our gracious Father, how we do love and thank you. God, chief among all the things that we give you thanks for, we give you thanks for the sweet assurance of your presence. That, Father, no matter where we go, we can rest assured that, Father, you are with us. God, it is a desire of all of our hearts that we would have more of you. That you would fill us, God, with more of your spirit, more of your power, more of your presence. Because, God, we know that in your presence things change. We know that in your presence healing happens. We know that in your presence peace is available. In your presence, Father, chains are broken, yokes are destroyed, bowed heads are lifted, broken hearts are mended, captives are set free. So, Father, that's our desire is for more of your presence. God, my prayer is that you would fill the sanctuary. That, Father, you would rest not just inside of us, but rest on us. So even now, God, as we turn our attention towards your holy word, God, we pray that you would grant us an increased sensitivity to your spirit. And we ask that you would speak, Lord. God, my prayer is that you would pour fresh oil on my head. God, I confess afresh in front of everybody, I need you. I'm unable to preach or stand without your power. So, Father, please breathe on me, Lord. Give me clarity of thought, precision of speech. Help me to accurately articulate the treasures of your word. So that, God, when our time is done and concluded, you and you alone will be glorified. God, we love you and we honor you. It's in the sweet and wonderful, sufficient name of Jesus we do pray. And all of us together said amen. Amen. Come on, can we give God praise this morning? Can we thank God for his presence? Amen. Amen. All right, well, listen, uh, truly, this is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. Amen. And we ought to rejoice and be glad in it. It's good to see y'all. Y'all smile at somebody. Tell them I'm glad to see them. Tell them I'm glad to see you. Tell them, tell them I'm glad to see you. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, uh, we're going to dive into uh, the word of God today. Uh, I, I don't have one scripture to tell you today. Listen, get your Bible in your hand and keep your Bible in your hand today. We're going to do some work today in the Word of God. Amen? Y'all going to be like, dang, pastor had me flipping everywhere. Yes, I did. We're going to do some work today. Uh, we are uh, concluding. Is this the last week? Is this the last week of the series? Is this it? Is it? Yes. Who, who, who can I ask? Who can I ask? Somebody. Somebody. No. No. Thanks, Tyler. All right. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Well, we're not concluding the series just yet, right? But this is the last week I think I'm preaching in the series. Uh, we've been in a series called Summer School. And uh, originally the series, um, it was designed to really try to speak to those perhaps in their 20s and 30s and issues, et cetera, that uh, they may be dealing with. Uh, but I want to suggest to you what I've said to you all, um, all month long is that this series is for everybody. Amen. Amen. This series is for everybody. So this week, we're really leaning into part two of relationships. Amen? Part two of relationships. Last week, we talked about uh, relationships from a friendship lens. How many of you guys, were y'all helped or blessed at all by that? Some of the conversations about friendships. Amen. Well, listen, this week, we're going to talk about romantic relationships a little bit. Why we picked the day when the kids all in the room? Because they got to, they gonna go back next week. But anyway, uh, romantic relationships is what we're gonna lean into uh, today in a very real sense. Um, and this is a broad topic, and I got 20 minutes, so I'm gonna have to cut across the field on a lot of this stuff. Amen. Uh, so I'm so I'm gonna say it whether y'all get on board with it or not today. I ain't got time to be pushing and prompting y'all. To say, man, I ain't got time today. So I'm cutting across the field. Uh, we're going to talk about romantic relationships in some sense today. Um, so I, I want to talk today with the Lord's help in your prayers. I preach today with the Lord's help in your prayers from this thought, playing my role in relationships. 
Everybody look at you and say, play your role. Playing my role in, in relationships. Um, the best way I can start this is by saying, y'all, again, I got to cut, cut across the field. Best way I can say this is that um, you and I have to understand how to properly navigate relationships. But in order for us to understand how to properly navigate relationships, we need to start with the reason for relationships. Um, the reality is, y'all, many of us want the how without dealing with the why. We, we get relationships wrong because many of us don't understand the reason for relationships. And so we're tempted to want to jump into the hows without really dealing with the why. Does that make sense? We want to jump into the how without dealing with the why. But I want to tell you um, that you and I have to be clear on the why if we are ever going to get the how right. If you are ever going to get relationships right in your life, you need to be clear on the why before you try to jump to the how. Um, if you've ever read uh, the book by Simon Sinek, Start With Why, it's the same concept. You need to dive into the why of a thing, perhaps, before you dive into the how of the thing. And here is the why. Here's the why uh, for relationships, especially romantic relationships. Y'all, here's the simple, central truth. God created us to be communal. Amen. God created us to be communal. God created us to be communal. Why? So that we could reflect the communal nature of God. The reason that we all need relationships is because we serve a communal God and he has created us in his image and calls us to be in community as well. Does that make sense? God created humanity uh, or humanity to need community. This is why in Genesis chapter Two, when God creates man, or Genesis chapter 1, um, both accounts, when God creates man, he looks down at Adam after he has created him, and he says, it is not good that man be alone. Y'all remember that? Go to your Bible. Get your Bible in here. Go to Genesis chapter 2 real quick. Y'all think I'm lying. Let me prove it for you. Genesis chapter 1, actually. Go to Genesis chapter 1. I'm lying. It's in Genesis chapter 2, I think. <laughs> Told you to get your Bible in hand and keep it there. I warned you. Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 18. Mark that. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper out of him or corresponding to him, I'll make a help me. God looked at mankind and said, hey, it's not good that man be alone. It's not good that mankind should be alone. He created us to be communal because God is communal. Um, the reality is, y'all, uh, we serve a God who is one um, but also exists as three. God who is one and exists eternally as three. Um, it's, it's, he's one usia is the word. God is one substance but he, but he exists in three hypostases, meaning that there is one God who exists eternally in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is doctrine that we're talking about. We're talking about this ideal of the Trinity. God is one but exists eternally in three people. Uh, usia, one substance. Hypostasis, one, three persons. And this is how it has been always, which is why... God, if I had time, I'd take you to Genesis chapter 1, and before he makes mankind, the Bible says, he looks and he says, now, everywhere else before in Genesis chapter 1 when he was creating, he said, let there be, let there be light, let there be the fish in the sea, let there be, let there be. Um, but then when you get to the creation of mankind, God says, let us make man, let us create. Y'all see that? That's plural language. He says, let us. Who is God? Who is the us that God is talking about? He's talking about the hypostasis, the three, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. God has always existed in community. And so when he creates you and I, mankind in his image, he created you and I to be communal beings. So the reality is, brothers and sisters, you and I can't do life alone. You, weren't, you and I weren't designated or designed to do life alone. This is why uh, things like solitary confinement, if someone's in prison, is one of the uh, worst things that somebody can experience because we weren't created to be by ourselves. We were created for community. Does that make sense? So God has created us for community. 
And so we are called to live in relationship with one another. This is why we're going to lean into, uh, this is why we talked about friendships last week. This is why we don't talk about relationships, romantic specifically relationships this week. And I want to uh, drop, this in your, uh, drop this as a nugget real quick because as we're talking about romantic relationships, uh, this is not to say that everybody has to be in a romantic relationship in order to fulfill God's need or call on our lives to be in community with other people. Does that make sense? Uh, this is me talking uh, very specifically, uh, probably the singles in the room. Listen, living life relationally is not exclusive to romantic relationships. I want to say this very clearly. You can be single and be satisfied. All the single folks say amen. amen. You can be single and be satisfied in God. A romantic relationship is not a necessity for fulfillment of God's call on your life. It is not a necessity. It's not something you and I have to be in in order for us to have purpose or fulfillment. And, and I get it because we've made marriage the pinnacle of life in church at times or something like that. But the reality is, brothers and sisters, no, uh, you don't have to be in a relationship, a uh, romantic relationship, in order for you to be satisfied in life. In fact, uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And while y'all turn it in, let me give you some very practical cut across the field stuff. One, yo, Jesus, while he walked the earth, was not in a romantic relationship. The church say amen. And there's nobody who fulfilled purpose more than Jesus did. His church is the bride, spiritually, brothers and sisters. But Jesus was not in a romantic relationship while he walked on earth. Paul, in fact, this is so ironic. Paul, the very person that we get most of our marital advice from in the scripture, was single. Uh, he, he, he was a single brother. He, you do not have to be in romantic relationship in order to have satisfaction in your life. Does that make sense? Um, let me read this into uh, your hearing. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, this, look what he says. He says, I say uh, to unmarried and to widows, it is good for them if they remain as I am. But if they do not have self-control, then they should get married. <laughs> Since it's better to marry than to burn with desire. Uh, he's going to go on to talk about these things. He's going to talk about singleness and marriage. He's going to do this little dance all throughout 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And I'm going to come back to it several times throughout our time together. But here's what I want you to get to ultimately. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 17 says, this is what Paul says. He says, let each one live their life in the situation the Lord assigned when God called them. Know what Paul is saying. Well, he's going to talk about this. He's going to talk about singleness in uh, 1 Corinthians 7. He's going to talk about marriage. He is not saying there is one that is better than the other. He's not lifting up and saying that, oh, everybody should necessarily be single. He's saying if that's what God has called you to do and to be, and you are able to do that and walk in holiness and all those things like that, then do that. But if that's not your plight, and God has called you to be married and you need that kind of romantic interaction and communion and relationship with somebody, do that. He's saying walk as God has called you to walk, whether that's in singleness or whether that's in a husband-wife marriage. Does that make sense? He's saying walk in the assignment God has given you. So here we are. Part of being made in the image of God is being made to live in community. And here's why. Our relationships reflect God's glory and our future hope. This is why we do life together, why we're in relationship, and this is why we get in romantic relationship. Ephesians chapter 5, which we're going to go to uh, later on in there, but here's the thing. Ephesians chapter 5, if you've been in church at all and you've heard anything about marriage or husbands, any of those kind of conversations, though that, that passage is often used as a paradigm for what wives should be and what husbands should be and all those things like that. But we kind of miss the point when we look at Ephesians 5 as a paradigm. Y'all go there real quick. Um, Ephesians chapter 5. I told y'all I was going to make y'all work today. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5. Now listen, if you go to verse 22, you're going to hear that passage that perhaps you've heard before. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, uh, you know, the head of life as Christ is the head of church. Um, and it's going to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. I'm going to get into all this. Don't worry. Don't start getting clinchy on me. I'm going to get into all that. But note why he talks about all this. In verse 27, he said he did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, 
but holy and blameless. So in the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies, and he who loves his wife loves himself. Listen, Paul is using this analogy between how wives are to submit to their husbands, how husbands are to love their wives, and know what he is corresponding it to. He's corresponding it to the relationship between Jesus and the church. So what he is pointing out is that the entire point of marriage is to be a foreshadow of the relationship between Jesus and his church. That's the reason. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that the entire point of our relationships, especially our romantic relationships, are to reflect the glory of God. They are to point us to something bigger. Point us to the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Point us to the relationship between Jesus and his church. It is not simply about you and I finding somebody that we like and living our lives that way, but it's designed to be a reflection of God in his nature. Does that make sense? All right. So that's the why. Now I'm going to get to the parts that y'all want to hear about. I'm going to get to the how. How we navigate these relationships, understanding that we are called to be in them to reflect God's glory. I want to deal with, um, let, me, let me start with this first group, this first group, um, because I don't think we talk about relationships without talking about the reality that there are people who may not be in romantic relationships, right? I want to make sure I'm being mindful to speak to singles as well. So you need to understand our role. We understand the reason. Now we need to understand our role. So I want to talk to those um, who are single and not looking. Amen. <laughs> you single and you're not looking. Now, um, I need to put some parameters around single and not looking. I don't mean single and not looking right now. Because <laughs> you just got a relationship or somebody hurt your feelings. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that, that are single and they do not have a desire to go ahead and get married. You're not looking. Single and not looking. Couple things about what that looks like and what God calls for that to look like. Um, so there are people like that. Let me just say that. We shouldn't assume everybody wants to get married and everybody wants that. There are people who are single and they're not looking. Here's what I want to tell you off the fact those people who are single and not looking do not have that desire. Most of the time, these are people that have a unique call and gifting from God in some way to live that life. And to do so in a way that glorifies him. So, single, not looking. Um, these are unmarried people who ain't looking to get married, all right? Couple things. How do I navigate if I'm single and I'm not looking to be married? First of all, hey, these are people that have a lifelong commitment to celibacy. I'm, that's not my testimony. It's just not my testimony. That's why I got married, amen. They have a lifelong commitment to celibacy, though. Uh, go to Matthew... Um, Chapter 19, I want to read verses 10 and 12 until you're hearing. Matthew chapter 10, chapter 19, verses 10 and 12. So Jesus is going to deal with some questions about divorce, um, etc. And know what he's going to say, though. He's going to say, his disciples said to him, if the relationship of a man with his wife is like this, it's better to not marry. That's what the disciples conclude after Jesus talks about how uh, if you even look at a person with lust in your heart, it's the same thing as adultery. They say, the disciples conclude, they're like, whew, well, it's better just not to get married. And Jesus know how he's responding. He says, not everyone can accept this saying. Y'all see this? Not everybody has this calling, but only those to whom it has been given. Those who perhaps have a lifelong calling to singleness, if you will. That is something that is a gift that is given to people. It is a perspective that is given to people according to the Bible. He's going to say, for there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's rooms. There are eunuchs who were made by men. And then there are eunuchs who have made themselves that way. Why? Because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who is able to accept it should accept it. Y'all see that? Paul is, or Jesus is saying, this is not everybody's plight who is able to live a life of singleness and go that way. But he says for the person that should, that wants to accept it or can accept it, they should accept it. But in doing so, it's about, it calls for them to have a lifelong commitment to celibacy. I don't have time, but read verse Corinthians chapter 6. It also requires them to live out that commitment to purity in a commitment to ministry. Does that make sense? 
The Bible says that one of the reasons that God, that God calls and gifts some people like that is because these people, they have not only the ability to resist uh, is babies in the room, temptation. They not only have the ability to resist certain temptations, but they also have a unique calling to put their energies and efforts specifically toward God advancing his kingdom. Does that make sense? All right. I, if, I other, if I had time, I'd tell you all to go to Luke chapter 2 um, and read. There's a story of the woman uh, named Anna who is going to be one of the first few that encounters Jesus. She's a prophetess named Anna. Anna was a widow. And she was a widow for 80 years. So she was married once, but then she had no desire to get married again after uh, her husband passed away. And she committed herself. The Bible says she went to the temple every single day. She committed herself to ministry. So A, it looks like a lifelong commitment to celibacy. Two, uh, it looks like a lived out uh, commitment to purity and commitment to ministry. Three, here it is. It means that those who also have this gifting, this burden of singleness and no desire to get married, um, they find relational satisfaction in Christian community. So that means that they're not saying, I'm just going to be by myself all the time, etc. They still have a desire for relationship. Why? Because we were all created for a relationship, Right? But what happens is if you're one of those people and that's what the burden that you feel on your heart, the call then and the thing that the church ought to do well in is making sure that we make ourselves available. And the call is for that person is to lean into relational commitment with those in their church. You might not have a spouse, a husband or wife, but you should lean into the relationships that you develop in church, your brothers and your sisters. Does that make sense? All right. That clock is ticking. Woo, I got to go. Uh, here it is. So. Those are some things to know if you're somebody who's like, mm, I'm single, unmarried, and not looking. I, I feel a burden from God that I don't, marriage is just not my plight. It's not what the Lord has for me, and I feel a burden. That's fine, but know these things. Lifelong commitment to celibacy, um, living out purity, um, commitment to ministry, and leaning into your church as your relational community. Does that make sense? That's a whole bunch of folks. I got to say this, and in, 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 it's a whole bunch of folks who are like, yeah, I just think I'm going to be single, but you burning with desire. And you can't control yourself. Let me tell you something. That you probably are not who Jesus was talking about <laughs> in Matthew chapter 19. And you like, right now, I just ain't got no. That's fine. That's because you got your feelings hurt and you need to heal or some other stuff like that. But don't confuse your... I don't want this right now because somebody hurt me or whatever the case may be with the same thing as I have this gift that God has given some people to navigate life without romantic relationships. Does that make sense? All right. Let me give you this second group. Here it is. Um, this is Bible study time. I, they're going to have to invite me back to teach more of this or something like that. Um, here's the other thing. Second group. Uh, my role as a single but dating believer. Meaning I'm unmarried, but I'm looking. I want to be with somebody. So how do I navigate that? My, my, my role as a single unmarried believer. Now, here's what I'm going to say on the offset. Um, the Bible does not explicitly talk about dating. Because dating is not a concept that existed in the context and the culture in which the scriptures were written. Does that make sense? Dating is something we done did in the West, in American culture. I'm not saying it's good or it's bad. I'm just saying it's not something that existed in the culture and the context in which the Scripture is reading. So you're not going to find a passage of Scripture that tells you how to date. That being said, at that moment, it becomes about navigating this with wisdom. That if I'm going to navigate dating people, I need to navigate it, and it requires above everything else me operating in wisdom and understanding the boundaries in which God has called me to live my life as a single but looking person. Because let me tell you this. If you are dating, y'all hear Pastor Seth, you are single. Ooh, I'm about to hurt some feelings. If you're dating, you're single on your taxes. You still check. And in the eyes of God, you are, you're, you're, listen, you're single until you're married. That ain't me telling you go do what you want to do as a single person. That's me just saying that if you're, you're, you're dating but you're not married yet, you are single. Um, and how you need to navigate this season of singleness while looking is above all to walk in wisdom. Does that make sense? 
Now, let me tell you this. While you're dating, this ought to be your goal. Your goals ought to be to prayerfully discern who you are dating and then prayerfully decide what this relationship is going to be. Prayerfully discern and then prayerfully decide what this relationship is going to be. Does that make sense? Oh, I wish I had time to expound on that. I don't. Um, we have to operate in wisdom above all and understand the boundaries in which God has called us to do. Here it is. Here's what you need to do. You need to understand your role as a single believer. Um, unmarried but looking. One, it's to be sexually pure. Oh, sorry, his baby's in the room. It's to be pure. First Corinthians chapter 6, y'all write that down. Y'all go read it on your own time. But Jesus is going to talk about, or Paul rather, he's going to talk about how your body is really not your own. Jesus has paid a price for all of our bodies. Does that make sense? And this thing that we have made so casual in our culture is actually a thing about covenant. That when it's a wonderful thing in the proper context, but we have gotten so cool and familiar with doing it outside of the context in which God designs and we don't understand how deep it is. And so for those who are single and dating and all that, I want to challenge you. One of the things that the Bible is going to call you to do, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and several other places, is to live a pure life. Because let me tell you why. Dating requires you navigating relationships with wisdom. Here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowledge applied despite how I feel. But here's the problem. When you engage in that act, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, you bond with somebody in a way that changes how you think. Come on, we can all be on. We all grown. Most of us grown in the room. Come on. If you, you've been there, it changes how you think. Let me talk to some teenagers that's in the room here. Uh, I know you feel a lot, but you ain't thinking. And when you engage in that act, it changes how you think. And here's the thing. You cannot make wise decisions and be led by your emotions. You are either going to be led by wisdom or your emotions. And what happens when we bond in that way is it changes and amplifies our emotional, emotional intelligence. Our emotional intelligence just drops. Come on, y'all. Come on. Listen, I want to be so honest in here. Y'all so tight, though. Come on. We ought to have made some real silly decisions over that kind of bonding. You done drove some distances over that kind of bonding. <laughs> Sent some late night text messages over that kind of bonding. Just made bad. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, ooh, that was just bad. Bad decision. So you cannot walk in wisdom and be led by your emotions. Am I making any sense in here? And so the reality is, brothers and sisters, for those of you who are dating and pursuing, one of the things you have to understand and one of the roles you have to play, you got to say, my role is to remain pure because I need to be able to navigate this relationship with wisdom. Now, let me say this, too, lest I sound condemning. There is much grace if that has not been your story so far. Beautiful thing about the gospel of Jesus, man. There is much grace for every sin, whatever you've done. Listen, I'll be, I'll be transparent with you. I would love to say this, is, this was my testimony, but that wasn't my testimony. I just, that wasn't my plight. <laughs> I don't say that proudly. I say that honestly. That wasn't, that wasn't my testimony. So I can, but I can testify that there is much grace if that isn't your testimony. Amen. And if you're in a relationship right now and that hasn't been what you guys have been able to do, let me encourage you. It's not too late for you to detach so that you can properly discern, is this somebody I feel like God has called me to be with? All right? So your role, remain pure. Second thing, be relationally selective. Be relationally selective. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that bad company corrupts good character. While you are dating or looking to get married or looking to date, it is the same principles I gave y'all last week on friendship. Go back and watch the sermon if you want to hear. You have to be relationally selective. 
Just because they look good don't mean they're good for you. Just because they sound like they love Jesus. You need to ask, which Jesus you talking about? Just because they're close in proximity don't mean they need to be close to you. Am I making sense? You need to be not only say my role is purity, but my role is to be relationally selective as well. Amen. Amen. I'm moving on. Here it is. Last thing. I need to always be spiritually growing. You need to be within the season of singleness and dating. I'm looking. I'm pursuing. You need to also make sure you need to prioritize that which matters, which is your walk with God. And not your walk with God as a means to an end to get what you think you want. But you need to walk with God and prioritize spiritually growing and maturing always. Does that make sense? Because what you will find out if the Lord does bless you and you do decide to to walk down that aisle, you're going to quickly discover that it's good that he gave you them, but you always are going to need him. I'm going to get to the married folk in a second. But anybody married can testify and tell you, love my spouse, but I need God first in my life. And most of us miss what God wants to do in our lives because we want to use God as a means to an end to get who I think I need when you already got the one you need. All right. I got a question. Oh, here it is. Let me give you these things real quick. So. Here are some practical questions you need to consider if you are somebody who is single and dating and trying to navigate relationships. One, practical questions. Let me say this. About the person that you're thinking about and pursuing and want to be in a relationship with. One, do they believe and follow Jesus? Boy, this sound, I know this, is, this sounds so rudimentary in church, but do they believe in and follow Jesus. Um, the, the Bible says um, in 2 Corinthians 6 and 14, it talks about not being unequally yoked. We've taken that in church and tried to make that about being on the same spiritual maturity level. Um, and that's not about a different level of spiritual maturity because we're all in different places spiritually growing. You're never going to find somebody on the same place or in the same ways that spiritually you are. Um, what this is about, that text, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, is explicitly about linking your life with people who don't believe in the Jesus you do. Again, I know they look good. Do they love Jesus? They say, oh, I'm, I don't know. I'm spiritual. Which spirit? You're going to navigate dating. Fundamental question, practical question you need to ask them as Do they follow Jesus? And here's what I'm going to tell you. If you're a follower of Jesus and they are not a follower of Jesus, it is not wise for you to say, I'm going to link my life up with them in a covenantal way. Who are you even making the covenant with? Now, I'm going to say this. Paul, he he even addresses this, and he's going to talk about how if you're somebody who's a follower of Jesus and you're already married to somebody who ain't a follower of Jesus, he's going to talk about that reality as well. He's going to say, as much as it depends on you, you should stay married with that person because God can use your life, perhaps, maybe, to be a light so that that person might get saved. But that ain't no guarantee. And many of us, watch this, we date people who we know ain't connected to Jesus And you got the bright idea thinking you're going to change them. You're going to lead them and you're going to save them. You didn't even save you. So hear me. Don't link your life with somebody who is not a follower of Jesus. So you need to ask ask yourself the question, do they believe in Jesus? Second question you need to ask yourself, very practical. Are you physically attracted to them? I'm being very practical. Are they physically attracted to you? That's an important dynamic in a relationship that you need to be honest. I'm not telling y'all to be, some of y'all, y'all too spooky. Y'all over spooky. They love Jesus. They don't look good, but they love you. Y'all being way too spooky. <laughs> they can love Jesus, but you're going to have to wake up to that every morning. <laughs> Are you physically attracted to you? Are they 
are, to them, are they physically attracted to you? Uh, listen, if you go to the uh, Song of Solomon, which is a whole book about, uh, spice, it's a spicy book. If you go to Song of Solomon and you read uh, chapters one and chapter two, note the way that the poets and the writers describe each other. The writer, he talks about her as her eyes being lovely. She talks about him as being her stag. They're physically attracted to each other. Um, that's an important dynamic. If you go to Proverbs chapter 5, uh, the wisdom that's given to uh, the son in Proverbs chapter 5 is to not ra race after foreign women, but take a lot of joy and delight in your own bride. He says, uh, let her, her, her chest fill you up. There needs to be a fit. Y'all didn't know the Bible got spicy like this, did you? It does. It's better than any scandal you're going to watch or any other show you got. I promise the Bible is spicy, man. It does not try to exclude or try to make it so spiritual it's not practical. You need to ask yourself the question, am I physically attracted to them? Are they physically attracted to me? That's the second question you need to consider while you're dating. Here's the third one. Can you just be friends with them? Because here's the reality. Whereas you need to be physically attracted to them, um, sisters, one day your stag is just going to be an old deer. Brothers, one day what once filled you up may not fill you. May not feel much, you know, it just happens. Life happens. And it's not just about our, our physical interaction with each other, though that's important. But the question you need to ask yourself is, can they be my friend? When we sick... Can, are we friends? Go back to my sermon last week because this is this. Just take the information, copy, paste. Ask yourself the same questions. Can they be my friend? Does that make sense? All right. So that's single, and I'm looking. Let me get this last thing. I got three minutes, and I'm done. Um, single, not looking. Single, looking. Third thing. What's my role as a husband and a wife? Here's the things you need to know. Um, if you're a young um, or older. Uh, husband and wife, remembering what is my role in husband and wife. One is to sacrificially serve, sacrificially serve and love my spouse. Ephesians chapter 5, that is ultimately about submission and sacrifice. The Bible tells wives, submit to your husband as Christ submits to the church. Um, that's not, that word submit has become dirty in the church for some reason, but note who Paul tells them to model it after. It's after Jesus. And so if Jesus submitted, it's not a dirty thing to do to say, I want to be like Jesus as a wife. To submit literally just means to come up under the mission. It does not mean to allow somebody to dominate or be domineering toward me. And it's going to say submit to that person who has submitted themselves to the Lord. My wife gave me the greatest compliment I could have ever gotten the other day. She was talking to one of her friends, and she said, the reason that I have no problem uh, following Seth when he has even called or encouraged us to do certain things as a family is because I know that that man is trying to hear from God. That was one of the greatest compliments I could ever got because it's the truth. I don't always get it right, but as a follower, I'm trying to hear from God. You need to link your life up, or if you're married to somebody as a Husband and wife, hear me, wife, submission isn't hard or it's something you ought to give to the person who is continually following Jesus and pursuing after them. Does that make sense? So, brothers, that's a challenge for you and I to always be pursuing and following Jesus. Amen? All right? Submit is the word he gives to the wife. Sacrifice is the word he gives to the husband. This word sacrifice, he literally says, as Christ died for the church, it's literally a call for us to be willing to physically die for them, but to die to ourselves. Every brother, hear me, and you know this, we all know this inherently, husbands, you know this inherently, marriage, being a husband, requires you to die about some things, to sacrifice some in some ways. All right? Second thing I give y'all, husbands and wives, what is your role? What's our role in navigating our, our marital relationships? It's to serve and enjoy each other physically. Let the church say amen. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 7, one of the things Paul is going to say is, he's going to say to the husband and wife, hey, don't neglect one another's physical needs. And note what he says. He says, because if you do so for too long, you give the enemy opportunity to come into your marriage. 
neglection of that dynamic in your relationship can open the door for the enemy to slither his way in. Does that make sense? So you need to have some conversations about it. You need to be clear about each other's needs, and you need to do what is called what you are called to do in serving one another's physical needs. Amen? Amen. Let me get this last thing that I want you to know and understand of your role when it comes to marriage, which is that this is a lifelong covenant and commitment. It's a lifelong covenant and commitment. That has to be said. Um, lifelong covenant and commitment. There are certain provisions in the scripture uh, that may exclude that, but it's more not than it is. Lifelong covenant and commitment designed to exist between husband, wife, and God. Does that make sense? From the very beginning, this is what God... In fact, in that uh, verse in Matthew chapter 19, the disciples asked Jesus about divorce. And Jesus said, that's a provision that Moses made because y'all's heart was so hard. But the idea, the original intent, was that this is supposed to be a lifelong, one-time covenantal commitment that we make until the very end. That's why when the Bible says, and the two shall become one, the picture of it is, is actually the picture of almost like two planks that are being put, like hammered together, nailed together, applied together. And the problem is what happens when you break it is that there will always be a split that can never be mended. Because once it was put together, it was never designed to be torn apart. Now, again, there are moments, there are provisions, there are things that happen in people's lives that are hard, that are difficult. And um, I, don't, I don't want to be insensitive to that because there are some moments where people aren't safe and you need to go get safe. There are moments where things are happening perpetually, and you need to figure out what's going on, what God's path is for you. But the design is for it to be a lifelong covenant and commitment. Amen? Amen. All right. That's it. Whew. I needed more time, but that's all right. To a much lighter, happier note, let's bring up these babies. Um, our wonderful family uh, director and... Uh, wonderful you pastor they gonna come let me pray for you guys real quick they'll come while they're doing this let me give you this challenge though, real quick I want you to consider we're talking about relationships we talked about friendships we talked about romantic relationship if you know nothing else know this at the end of the day the point is that it's supposed to point us to Jesus and you can't do relationships right with other people if you don't get your relationship right with your creator that has to be the first step so if you're in here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, never invited the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart or stepped into relationship with him, listen, don't wait until tomorrow because tomorrow is not guaranteed. If you're like, Pastor, right now if I died, I don't know where I would go. Well, I want to tell you, you can have the assurance today of where you would spend all of eternity if you just accept and be in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So if that's you today, you've never said yes to Jesus, I want you to do me this kindness. When service is over, there are going to be some prayer people up here. I want you to come up here and tell somebody, I want to have a conversation about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to trust Jesus with my life? Second thing, maybe you don't have a home, a place where you're going and growing, a sanctuary, a church that you're uh, a part of. Let me tell you, there's not a better church to be a part of than sanctuary. Amen? I'm talking past E right now. I might move my membership. Everybody just need to come to sanctuary. Amen? So, listen, not a better place uh, to be. A, I'm just kidding, by the way. <laughs> kind of, kind of. Uh, but not a better place uh, for you to be a part of uh, than to come and be a part of the sanctuary family. So, listen, if y'all been dating the church, I told y'all, discern and then do. Make a decision. Go ahead and get married to us. We like y'all. Come on. Let's go ahead and make a decision. And so, if you want to become a part of this sanctuary family, do me a favor. Uh, talk to one of the prayer counselors up here or Pastor Rose or one of the staff. We'll get you connected. Amen. Amen. Come on. Let's uh, receive our family, uh, pastor and you, pastor, and they're going to come and share some good information with us. Hello to you all. As Holly mentioned earlier, today is back to school Sunday. So we just want to take um, a moment to celebrate all of you who are going back to school. And we're going to start with the youngest of us. So what we're gonna ask you to do is, if you are going to preschool this year, would you please stand, maybe wave if you're little, so we can see you. You got anyone going to preschool this year? Yeah, come on. <laughs> Amen. And if you're going to elementary school, can you please stand up? 
So anybody who's in an elementary school yeah. age, stand on up, yes. stand on up. Yes, yes. Look at the babies. Okay, floss, get uh, it, yes, get it. get it. No, no, you stay standing. <laughs> and um, anyone going to middle school this year, would you please stand? Middle you have any middle schoolers in here? Middle schoolers. Yeah, yes. don't be shy, yes. you can stand. Yes. We know who you are. <laughs> hey, how about my high schoolers? Can you please stand up? Come on, you're not too cool for service. this. I can see a bunch of you. I'm looking straight at you. Mm -hmm. I can see a bunch of y'all. Yes, yes. All right, do we have anyone going to college or grad school? Stand up, girl. We're going to celebrate you. Hey, I see you, girl. I'm in grad school. Right. Um, well, we have a small gift for you. So on your way out, you will notice that there's a gift table. We just um, want to send you with a blessing. So stop by the table and grab um, an affirmation bracelet. So read them carefully, choose your affirmation for the year, and take that with you and know that uh, we are loving on you and praying for you to have an incredible school year. Amen. Awesome. If you're an educator returning to school this year, will you please stand up? Educators, educators, come on, yes. come on, yes, 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 amen. Yes, thank you deeply for your ministry to the students in our communities. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the best work is the hardest work, and we recognize that such is the work of an educator. We want to honor you today yes. and say thank you, thank you, thank you. We see you, and we amen. are committed to praying for you this year, our prayer comes from 2 Corinthians 9.8, which reads, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, mm -hmm. you will abound in every good work. Amen. Amen. And so this year, um, we have a gift for you as well. So make sure on your way out, you stop at the gift table. And this year, the gift is a candle with a printed blessing on there for you. So um, you have that blessing and that verse that we're praying over you. And Holly and I have a candle. And it's just a reminder and encouragement to you that we are praying everything that God has for you, um, for you to receive it this year. So stop by and grab that on your way out, and we bless you as you enter into another school year of ministry. Thank you for your service. Okay. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, if you are going to kindergarten this year, can you come join us up at the front? Yeah. If you're going to kindergarten, come on up. Come on. Come on up. Yeah. Come yes. stand up. Come on, stand up. Right here. Hi, Asa. Come on up. You can stand here, too. Come on. Come on up, come on Very up. Very good, yes, yeah. Very good. And if you are going to sixth grade this year, would you also come and join us up front so we can see you? Any sixth graders? Any sixth graders, come on up. Sixth graders, anybody? Anyone first service? We got one. We got a sixth grader, yes. Imani, get your butt up here, girl. Oh, Imani? Get here? your butt up here. Uh -uh. Come on up. Imani, come here. You see, we had the call, yeah. It should have just came. Come on, girl. Come on. Girl, you're going to stand right next to me. Hey, yo, come on. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Amen. So can you give a round of applause for our incoming sixth graders and our kindergartners? This is such an important milestone. Oh, my baby. My I know. Um, Imani is my, one of my little babies when she was just three in Royal Hood, and now she's graduating from Royal Hood and going to Mosaic. <laughs> She is, she's one of my favorites, yes, amen. So um, we want to celebrate, um, oh, hi, girl. Um, everyone who's graduating from Royal Hood into Mosaic, and those of you who are going to kindergarten this year, uh, we want to speak a blessing over you. So what we're going to do, maybe you've seen Miss Josia do this before. So when we speak a blessing over you, what I'd like you to do is put your hands out. Yes, there you go, like you're receiving. You got to catch it. When God's giving blessings, you catch them, you receive them. Amen. Yes. So we're going to speak a blessing over you as your church family because we want to send you off into a blessed year. We want everything that, um, good that God has for you to receive it. So you put your hands out, and then I'm going to ask all of you to reach a hand forward as we pray a blessing over these students this year. This school year, may you be curious and kind. May you be gentle and strong. 
-hmm. May you be brave and loving. May you be confident that God is present with you as you play, as you learn, in every fear and in every celebration. May God fill your hearts, bless your hands, and transform your lives each day this year and always. And let us say together, church, amen. 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 Thank you. You may be seated. Go find your seat. Yep. <laughs> so grown-ups, if you have a kindergartner um, and sixth graders, make sure you also stop by the gift table. We have um, special gifts to send them off with this school year um, to mark this transition. Uh, so make sure everyone who's um, um, going back to school, whether you're preschool, all the way up to grad school, if you're an educator, if you're celebrating a special milestone, stop by the gift table on your way out to grab your gift and receive your blessing. We um, are praying for you to have a wonderful year. Amen. Amen. We're going to give it back to Pastor Seth for the benediction. Amen. Come on. Uh, let's stand up on our feet and let's get ready to go. Come on, can we thank God one more time for all these students here going back to school? And our wonderful family, uh, pastor and youth pastor, so grateful for them, um, for what God is doing in their lives as well. Amen? Amen. Uh, listen, let me pray for you. Let me bless you. Uh, listen, don't forget what I ask. If you have never entered into the best and most important relationship that you'll ever have before, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you're like, I don't even know what that means. That sounds good. I hear people say that, but what does that mean? Come talk to one of these prayer counselors. If you're like, I don't have a church home. I've been coming here, but I ain't, I ain't made no decisions. Well, come talk to one of them. We would love for you to be a part of the family. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. I'm going to bless you and go. Lord, we thank you for what our eyes have seen, what our ears have heard, what our hearts have received, Lord, through your holy scripture, through the singing of song, Father, through the reading of litany, God. Lord, we thank you. Um, even now as we're getting ready to release educators and students back to school, Father. God, I pray for them even now, Lord, that you would cover and keep them. God, we pray your rebuke against anything that would try to harm them emotionally, physically, mentally, Lord. We pray that they would navigate relationships well, Father, that teacher-student relationships will be navigated well, Father, and friend-to-friend relationships will be navigated well. Lord, I pray for every parent, God who's getting ready to send their baby back to school. I pray that you would free them from any anxiety. Give them peace. I pray that you would give them wisdom as they seek to lead their children. And God, I pray that as we leave, we would all do relationships well by remembering at the end of the day, it's all about reflecting your glory. So God, may the Lord God bless and keep us. May you make your face shine upon us. May you be gracious to us. May you bless us in our comings and our goings. And now unto you who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the presence of the Almighty God. To you be glory, majesty, dominion, and power now and forever. And all of us together said amen. 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 God bless you. God keep you. We'll see you next week.